Welcome to the Reclaim Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Whether you're a part of our Reclaim Church family or just tuning in for the first time, we would love to connect with you on Instagram at Reclaim Church or at our website at reclaimed-church.com. We hope this word encourages and inspires you today. Let's dive in. Good morning. Good morning. Are you guys awake? Okay. You guys seemed a little bit asleep when Samantha was starting us up this morning, so uh, hopefully you're awake today. I'll try not to bore you too much. Uh, if you don't know, if you didn't hear, I'm Jeremy, um, and hi. And to be honest, I don't know what I'm doing up here. I think Pastor Corey looked around and said, okay, well, I know I'm not going to be here, and I know spring break's going on, and who doesn't have kids, and who has ripped jeans? That guy. I was the first one that he saw. Um but it is a tremendous honor to be here. Uh, my wife, Kayla, and I, we have been coming to Reclaimed a little less than a year now. Um, and we're just having a great time getting to know you guys. Um, I lo- we love this church. Um, when, whenever we decided that it was time for us to step away from the church that we were going to, I wasn't so sure where to go. Kayla knew exactly where she wanted to go. She went here before I did, and then I just followed along after her, and she's just she's super wise, and she knew, she knew exactly where we needed to be. Um, but uh, we love Pastor Corey's uh, teaching. I, I really love uh, Pastor Corey's teaching. I was telling Miss Alva a little while ago that... Uh, it's meeting a need in me that I never knew that I needed. It's so practical, just so amazing, and I wish I could bring forth the, the sort of things that he brings forth every week, um, but I'm not Pastor Corey. Um, so if you don't like me, though, let not your heart be troubled. He will be back next week. Um, let's, let's pray. Is it okay for me to stand down here? I know that's not normal. Uh, I always feel like I'm like stages this kind of size. I always feel like I'm going to fall off of them and that and these boots, like they have leather soles on the bottoms. So like they're kind of slippery. So who knows what bad could happen to me? Um, so I'm going to try to avoid that. So, uh, let's pray. Heavenly father, we love you. God, I thank you for that time of worship, Lord. I thank you that your presence is here, God. And I just pray as we dive into your word, Lord, God, that you would be glorified above all else, Lord, and that your presence would be here with us. Lord, I thank you that your word does not return void. And God, I pray that you would just use me right now, that you would filter out all the junk that is Jeremy, Lord, till there's nothing left but you. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, I'm going to attempt to make a single point. Um, I'll admit to you now that it is not a popular point. Um, but I believe that it is for our good and that is for our deepest joy that we uh, begin to understand this today. If you have your Bibles or I guess if you want to follow along, uh, we are going to be in the book of Habakkuk. Is that how you guys say it? Habakkuk? Some people say Habakkuk. Uh, some people are wrong. Um, <laughs> but uh, say it however you want. I used to say it Habakkuk, so I might go in and out of saying it. Who knows? Um, but... Um, what do we, and I'm going to be in the ESV translation. I know normally we're in the NLT, but we're going to be in the ESV today because it is my favorite. And uh, But before we dive in, what do we know about Habakkuk? We know very little about Habakkuk. He was a prophet that served about 600 years or so bef- uh, before the time of Christ. Um, it, that would have made him a contemporary with Jeremiah. And that's pretty much all we, that we know about him. 
But thanks to the books of Second Chronicles and Second Kings, we, we actually know a lot about what was going on at this point in history. Um, at this point, Israel has been broken into two kingdoms, uh, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. By now, the kingdom of Israel has already been defeated. Ho hopefully, you guys like history. I'm really, really into this stuff. Really, really into this stuff. So hopefully, please try to st stick with me today. But Israel has already been defeated by the Assyrians. They've already been exiled, hauled off, you know, from the land. And uh, Habakkuk, at this time, he is serving as a prophet under King Josiah of the kingdom of Judah, the southern kingdom. King Josiah, we, what we know about him is he is a, he was known as a righteous king. God called him a righteous king. Um, and he brought the kingdom of Judah back to repentance. Josiah was the descendant of wicked kings, and he came to power at just eight years old in a time where the kingdom of Judah had fallen completely away from God, completely turned their back on God, and began to worship an, a number of false gods. But at just age 16, Josiah began to seek the Lord. And a few years later, as they're, they're um, refurbishing the temple, they're, they're sort of making some, some, they're fixing it up. The high priest Tilkiah, he finds a scroll. He finds the Torah, which apparently had been lost for a time in the temple. And he shares it with King Josiah. What Josiah does is he repents, he tears his robes, and he calls for a time of national repentance. The law begins to be, be preached and proclaimed, they begin. They they start observing the Sabbath again, or not the Sabbath, but the Passover again. The pagan altars that have been erected inside the temple, the the false uh, priests, they've all been kicked out. Everything's been demolished. He's gone throughout the land. They've destroyed all of the the pagan statues and everything that's been erected to worship that Solomon had erected to, uh, to worship false gods. They've demolished all of those things. And it's going great. Like this is a time of national revival. Wouldn't we like to see that, a time of national revival? I'm not going to talk political. I'm not going to. I promise Corey I wouldn't. Um, I promise him no rants. So, um, but wouldn't that be great? Everything is going good. Josiah is killing this thing. It's awesome. And like the man that he is, Josiah goes out to battle. They're, they're battling the Egyptians, and he goes out to battle the Egyptians, and he dies. He's killed in battle. And what happens is almost immediately his sons begin to bring back pagan worship back into Judah. And all of the reforms, all the great things, all the revival, all that was taking place under Josiah began to die with Josiah. And understandably, Habakkuk is, he's not happy about any of this. Would we be? Let's look at his complaint. Habakkuk chapter one, verse one. It starts off, it says, the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. That word oracle, it can also be translated into burden. How many of you know that when God places a burden on you, he's not just trying to give you a heart for it, which he does. He wants you to have a heart. He wants you to love what he loves, hate what he hates. He wants to place burdens on us, but he's not just trying to give us a heart for it. He's trying to raise up intercessors. Amen? 
Um, he's not trying to raise up keyboard warriors or internet trolls that, that laugh every time a world leader falls up the stairs. Um, maybe that's just for me. He's trying to raise up intercessors. Amen. Amen. And he's more interested in that. And that's what Habakkuk's been doing. He's been busy interceding. He's been carrying that burden in the place of prayer. And he's starting to feel like that his prayers are falling on deaf ears. And picking up in verse 2, it says, Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help? And you will not hear. Or cry to you violence, and you will not save. Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise, so the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surrounds the righteous, so judge, excuse me, justice goes forth perverted. So Habakkuk, he's, and you can hear it in his prayer, he's confused and he's upset. Not at God over the death of Josiah, this, this godly king, but he's looking around at everything that's going wrong, how far the nation has fallen from God, and he wants to know why all of this is happening. And what it boils down to is, is God, this is his prayer, God, why are you just idle right now watching your people do these things? How can you, a holy, just, and righteous God, having chosen a people for yourself, Israel, how can you tolerate such wickedness? You've given us the law, God, and now we're breaking it. I don't understand what you're doing. You're not doing anything. So do something, God. That's the point that he's at. And God hears his complaint. And look at how he responds. In verse 5, he says, Look among the nations and see. This is God speaking. Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Which sounds like a, one of those really nice coffee mug verses, right? I think my mother-in-law has that on her wall somewhere. And it's okay for me to say that because she didn't come here today. So... But let's look and see what kind of work God is going to do that, that would leave Habakkuk astounded. Picking up in verse 6, For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, which we also know as the Babylonians, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence. All their faces forward. They gather, to, they gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own might is their God. And Habakkuk must have been like, wait, what? This is the astounding work that you're going to do, God? This? 
This is why context is important because it's a little weird to be drinking coffee from a mug with a verse that's basically God explaining how he's going to have his chosen people enslaved. So he says to Habakkuk, you think that I'm idle. I'm far from idle. In fact, I've got these Chaldeans, this hasty, bitter nation, this conquering, violent nation. They're coming your way. I'm going to use them as a tool for my judgment on you and the people of Judah. Habakkuk was probably hoping that God would send another revival. But God had other plans. It's not going to be a revival, Habakkuk. I'm going in a different direction. It's going to be destruction. The Babylonians are coming. They're coming hard and fast, and you're not going to know what hits you. And if you survive this thing, you're going to be captured and deported. So say goodbye to the promised land. It's all coming to an end. So Habakkuk was probably pretty astounded, right? Probably a little ticked off, right? And let's look and see how... We're going to do a lot of Bible reading today, so... Let's see how Habakkuk responds. He says, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment. And you, O rock, have established them for reproof. So he's like, okay, God, I get it. We deserve this. But you who are of pure eyes and to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? So his first complaint is it's like, God, why are, you, why are you idle about wickedness? Why are you allowing this to go on? You're not confronting it. And God's like, oh, I'm not idle. There's always justice for wickedness. Here, I'm bringing it now. And now Habakkuk is like, wait, just a minute. I don't like that that's how you're doing this. Um, because they're even more wicked than we are. It's like, God, I admit that, that we deserve this. I, I admit that we need to be judged. I was just talking about it, about how you're idle, but, but like this, they're even worse than we are. And you're so pure in your eyes and so everlasting. How could this possibly be, God? We surely will not die. This surely can't be how you're choosing to go about this. And in verse 14, he continues this accusation. He says, You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings up, talking about the Babylonians, he says, He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet. So he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet. For by them he lives in luxury, and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. So Habakkuk responds a second time. He says, now wait a minute, God. How can it be that you're using this godless pagan nation that's even worse than we are to discipline us for sin? 
that doesn't make any sense. And then he goes on and he uses this, this extended fishing metaphor to explain how God is basically allowing the Babylonians to destroy the Judeans. It's going to be like shooting fish in a barrel. He's like, what are you doing, God? This makes no sense to me. So I'll tell you what, God, I'm, I'm going to stand here on my watch. I'm going to station myself and I'm going to wait here until you give me an answer. We'll, we'll, see what, we'll see what you have to say about this. My question this morning for us is, have you ever been in this place before where you're just lost as to what God is doing? If you're over the age of 10, then yes. Have we ever been there in this place? I know I've been in this place multiple times. Um, if you're honest, then of course you have. Just li live long enough and you'll get there. And it won't make any sense. And you're not going to be able to understand. And it's going to hurt. There's a good possibility that in light of everything that you see going around in the world today, in this nation, or even in your personal life, that you're experiencing this right now. And when we wrestle with that doubt, or we're just stumped over what God is doing, and we're wrestling with him, and we're asking him, what in the world are you doing, God? This is your plan for my life? Why are you allowing this? So if you find yourself there today or tomorrow or 10 years from now, the good news is that God is okay with these questions. He's okay with your questions. God is okay with you wrestling with them a little bit. So I don't want you to hear that we're not allowed to, to take our vulnerability, to take our rawness, to take our emotion and take it before God. I've heard it said this way that it's always okay to, to bring your questions to God as long as you have a searching heart and not a clenched fist. It's not mine. We've already seen that, we've already seen that to be true with Habakkuk. When we cry out to him, help me, God, where, where are you? God says that he never despises that. In Psalm 51, 17, he says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. But, but when we go to wrestle with God, it's important to understand our position, right? What I, what I mean by that is when Kayla and I, when we have a disagreement, which, which might turn contentious, it's rare, we don't argue very often, um, but when it does happen, um, neither Kayla or I are, are coming at this disagreement with any, with really any authority. I'm not lording any authority over her. She's not lording any authority over me. It's a, it's a dialogue. It's a discussion where we work out our disagreements. But contrast that with, with this. I'm, I don't have any kids yet, but I'm, I'm young enough to remember um, what my arguments with my mom were like. For the record, my, my parents were great, but because my dad was always at work, um, my mom was the disciplinarian. Um, and as bad as a man I thought I was at age 13, um, I knew that my position was well below hers. 
How did I know this? Because she did not spare the rod. All I had to do was take the wrong tone. And I don't know what it was like for you growing up, but in my house, growing up, there was not a corner that you would sit in uh, being put in timeout. There was no corner. You know, there was no such thing as timeout. Not one time. Timeout is what happened if my mom accidentally knocked me unconscious. Like, that's what timeout was. So if you took that tone, there was trouble. That's a positioning thing. My mom... She didn't have to put up with my attitude. I was 13. What did I know? Nothing. I don't know anything now still, but I knew, I knew even less then. So it's okay to hurt. It's okay to be bothered and to have questions for God. But we've got to understand where we stand when we approach God. Here's what the word says about this. In Psalm 39, 5, it says, behold, I love these. It says, behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Psalm 103.15 says, as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. So what he's saying is, that you're like a blade of grass or a flower in the field. You sprout in the morning, but by the afternoon, the wind has already uprooted you from the ground and blown you away, and by sunset, the ground doesn't even remember you. How encouraging is that, right? <laughs> I told you it's not popular. But it's true, though, isn't it? Can you even tell me the name of your great-great-grandfather? Because I can't. I can look it up, but I can't right now. And if I showed you a picture of him, would you even recognize him? And that's not some long dead stranger living far, far away. That's your family. And to think that we won't be spoken of in the same way and to believe that and to believe that your name and your stories will be told 200, 300 years from now. That's, that's delusions of grandeur. It's not happening. We're here for a second. And that's it. And don't you think that that limited amount of time that we're here affects our ability to know what's best for us? That's why um, he, they're not here today, but... but uh, since Kayla and I have been coming to Reclaim, Cody and Ashley have become like two of my favorite people in the world. And, um, but I don't go to little two-year-old Uriah and ask him what kind of retirement account to open up. He just turned two. I don't ask him where to, to take, you know, Kayla for date night. He might say Chuck E. Cheese. And that would go really, really bad for me. He hasn't lived long enough to know. So if God is eternal and we're just here for a moment, what position of authority can we question God from? Job learned this the hard way. You guys remember Job, right? We're going to read a little bit. Um, turn to Job 38. And what we find here is Job is, 
he's having some issues with God. He was hanging in there for a while, not really questioning God, but he's gotten a little, his patience is wearing thin. And he's questioning how God is choosing to operate, much like Habakkuk is. In Job 38, it picks up, it says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? That's not getting off to a good start. He says, dress for action like a man. God's saying, put your your big boy pants on. Get ready. You wanted this, Job. Put your cup on, my guy. I will question you, and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who, Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy, or who shut in the seas, or shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb, when I made clouds its garment, and thi- what are you even talking about, God? And thick darkness its swaddling band, and prescribed limits for it, and set bars and doors, and said, Thus far shall you come and no farther. And here shall and here shall your proud ways be stayed. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? I'm going to skip down a little bit. I know we're short on time. He says, where is the way to the dwelling of light? In verse 19, he says, And where is the place of darkness that you may take it to its territory, that you may discern the paths to its home? You know, for you were born then, and the number of of your days is great. And this goes on for four chapters. And in the middle of it, in chapter 40, Job goes, okay, you know what? You're right. I'm going to shut up now, God. I won't open my mouth anymore. And God goes, no, we're not done here. Dress for action like a man. You wanted to have this conversation. Let's have this conversation. So, so God thoroughly and methodically reminds Job where he stands. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Surely you know how all this works, right? How did I get Orion's belt up there? What about Pleiades? How did that get strung along? Tell me how I did that, Job. You were there for that, right? He starts talking about animals. He starts saying, what about the, the, the sea monsters in the deepest parts of the sea? Can you tame them, Job? The majesty of creation, was that your idea? Was that because of you? God tells Job to dress for action like a man, and then he strips him down and eats his lunch. This is God's way of helping Job understand and helping us understand that we are limited in time. We do not have all the information. We do not know what's best. If you're honest, you know that, right? And as a result of that, in our own strength, we absolutely lack the ability to fix the things that are broken. Just look at how we try to fix all the problems of today. Anybody Anybody use the internet this week? Of course you have, right? Every day. What would we do without it? 
It's a scary question, right? All of us, we've all used it. It's changed our lives. When was the last time anybody had to sit by the phone and call the, call the uh, movie theater and listen for 20 minutes to hear the showtime? And it was always at the end and always somebody walked in and started talking right when they got to the movie that you were waiting for the, the movie times for. Some of you guys have no idea what that was like. On the corded phone. Do you remember when you, you would call the bank or you would call the number and they would tell you the time and temperature? You just look up your phone right now, right? That's all you got to do. Nobody does that anymore. When was the last time you unfolded a map? No, you just say, hey, Siri, take me to Taco Bell. That's, that's what I say. Um, to do that, oh. To Shh. Um, you just set it on your dash and you just follow the arrow. I don't know if you just figured out what just happened there. I probably shouldn't have brought up that name. Um, but in preparing this message, um, I could just get on blueletterbible.org, right? Start looking at some of the Greek and the Hebrew. Uh, I don't have to break out my Strong's Concordance that's big enough to kill a small child. Um, all I have to do is have some Wi-Fi and I'm set. That's all I need. The internet is phenomenal. And because of it, you know what else that you can do? You can research the parallel growth of internet pornography with the rising number of sexual assaults and abuse. I understand that correlation does not equal causation, but what was once really, really a shady thing to get your hands on and was really difficult, we now bring it to our homes every day and it's normalized to the detriment of women and to our sexual relationships. That human ingenuity, it's a double-edged sword. The internet was supposed to give us more time. How's that working for us? It seems like every time there's a problem, human ingenuity creates a cure that is worse than the disease. And the reason for that is because we don't know what we're doing. We don't have the answers. We're just a blade of grass. We're here today, gone later today. We make um, the food that we make. You know, we're, we're able now to make more food it, it, cheaper than ever. But it's lacking the things that we need to, to live vital lives to, to, for vitality. The lives that we're supposed to live. What about antibiotics? Do you know that when we, we create antibiotics and what happens is new strains of bacteria come along that are resistant to those antibiotics. So you know what we do? We make stronger antibiotics. And then you know what happens. We've seen the movies. We're zombies and we're eating each other. <laughs> it's like, oh, we've got a problem. Let's fix it. Has anybody been paying any attention to what's going on with artificial intelligence? Just the, it's terrifying to me. Maybe it's just me. I am scared. I have seen Terminator. Yeah. I know what happens. I know how this ends. We fix one problem. We fix one problem and we create a worse problem. And in fixing the worst problem, we create a worse problem. And this is just a small portion of the dark legacy of human ingenuity. 
the dark legacy of leaning on our own understanding. And what I'm not trying to do is make you feel terrible as a human being or to make you feel like you don't know anything. But I want us to understand our limitations, our limited scope, our limited knowledge, our limited lifespan. And outside of the Bible, I can't think of a better example than this picture here. <clears throat> this picture was taken by Voyager 1 in 1990 as it was saying goodbye to our solar system. And that's cool that we're able to do that, to send satellites and things so far away from us. But, but do you know where we are in this picture? Do you see the tiny little dot? That tiny little dot that's sort of dancing in that ray of light. That's us. That little dust particle. That's Earth. That pale blue dot. Everyone that's ever been born, everyone that's ever died, all the, the marriages that's taken place, all the wars that have taken place, it's all right there. On that little dot. What, what do we know about anything? But that's not a bad thing. Because when you realize your limitations, you can begin to lean on the one who has no limitations. Even when we don't understand what he's doing, we can lean on him and that we can know that we can trust him. And I don't today want to minimize any of your hurts or pains, anything that you're going through, anything that you're concerned about. I've been there, but you can trust him. Let's, let's check back in it with uh, Habakkuk real fast. So Habakkuk, he's, he's upset with what's been going on. He's, he's been cranky. He's confused as to what God is doing. And he's gotten a little bit of an attitude with God. When I was a kid, that would be the point where my mom would say, not another word. And then she would walk away. She didn't have to carry on the conversation. Habakkuk is not owed an answer. But, but God actually responds to Habakkuk in chapter 2. And he helps Habakkuk understand, yes, Habakkuk, I'm, I'm going to use those Babylonians to scatter you. But they're going to be judged for their wickedness as well. And if you, you should go and read Habakkuk. It's just an incredible book. And there's an incredible character arc where Habakkuk, where, where God, where, when we first find him, he's in despair, he's distraught. And God begins to turn him to the point where by chapter three, he's just worshiping God. He's singing God's praises and he's full of trust. And let's look at Habakkuk 2.14 real fast. And God's saying, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So he's saying, yeah, things are gonna be ugly for a little bit, but that's not the end of the story. 
the glory of the Lord, it's going to fill the earth like the waters that cover the sea. From Habakkuk's vantage point, he can't possibly see how God's going to fulfill that promise. Based on his present circumstances, he's, he's heartbroken. But because we live 2,600 years later in the future, we can look back at history and we can begin to see how God fulfilled that promise. So through the, the conquering exile of the nor northern kingdom of Israel by the Assyrians, and now in Habakkuk, the conquering and exile of the southern kingdom of Judah by the Babylonians, God would begin to scatter his people throughout the entire world, throughout the known world at least. And while many of these, many of these Jews would eventually, they would return to their homeland, thousands and thousands and thousands would remain or they would settle in other lands. The Jewish historian Josephus, he would write that there is no city, no tribe, whether Greek or barbarian, in which Jewish law and Jewish customs have not taken root. But fast forward a little bit later, the Babylonian Empire, the Persian Empire, all these empires have fallen. They've been conquered by Alexander the Great. And ancient Greece would now become the dominant force in the region. And what they would do is they would give the region a common language. And later on, a little bit, a little bit further along, the Roman Empire would rise to power. And what they would give the region would be, was a 200-year period of peace and prosperity in the region, where the Roman Empire would build over 50,000 miles of road throughout Europe and into Asia. And then as Galatians would say, when the fullness of time had come, the gospel message of Jesus Christ begins to be spread. And it would be men like the disciples, men like the apostle Paul, that would travel to the synagogues that were established in these regions far away from home. In Egypt, in Syria, in Greece, in Italy, synagogues that had been established by those Jews that had been scattered hundreds of years earlier. And from there, they would begin to reach the Gentiles in those areas. And because of that, we're here today. Habakkuk couldn't see that, but, but we can see that now. So what's the point? I told Corey, I wouldn't belabor anything. I wouldn't go on and on about anything. But what's the point? Because of our limitations, we can't often see how God is putting the puzzle together. We can't see how he's moving history along. We might not be able to understand what he's doing. But we can have confidence to know that he is not idle. That he knows what he's doing. The things that are going on in your life, he knows. We always go back to finances. That's always what I struggle with the most. What, what have I gained in those times where I lost sleep at night worrying about finances? What have I gained? He's not idle. He knows what he's doing. 
how much more joy is there to just simply rest in him? Amen. Just bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just increase our faith. That we would be able to know, God, that you are trustworthy. That we would be able to take our cares, our concerns, and cast them at your feet. No matter what it is, a wayward child, a financial struggle, or even everything in the world around us, God, we just cast that at your feet. Because your word says, Lord, that we can cast our cares upon you because you care for us. So, Lord, we just thank you. God, we just... Pray, Lord, that you would just move in our lives. We invite you. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would increase our faith. And God, right now, we just lift up Allie. Lord, we just lift up Corey. God, as they're away for their anniversary, God, we pray, Lord, that you would just move in their lives. Lord, that you would bring them even closer together and use them in a mighty way. And we'll give you all the praise, all the honor, and all of the glory. In your precious name we pray, amen. Amen. If you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to like and subscribe for more from your Reclaimed Church family. God bless, and we hope that you have an amazing week.